Today's episode is sponsored by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. It's easy and fun to use as well as affordable. And did you know that science shows meditation can reduce anxiety and improve your relationships? Head to expectful.com slash motherbirth for an exclusive one month free trial just for motherbirth listeners. I, like C-sections can have a bad rep of being like clinical and you miss out on a journey and um, you know the bonding is you know you're having to do all this stuff around people and in an environment that's really foreign but like he just blasted like all of those like <laughs> things out the, out the way like it was just a really beautiful greeting. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. We are excited to be interviewing a special guest from the other side of the big pond today. Rebecca Fraser is joining us from Scotland, and we can't wait to hear her dreamy accent here on the show today. Um, Rebecca's going to share her story of motherhood with us. And I think for anyone listening who has ever had a C-section, you're going to really, really enjoy hearing Rebecca's story. So Rebecca, will you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi. Um, Thanks for having me. This is so nice. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's so funny because I listen to your podcast like every Thursday night in the bath. I run a bath and um, listen to the podcast. And for the last year, it's mostly been with this big bump. Mm. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's quite surreal to be doing this not in the bath. Maybe I should have done it. This time you're on the show. <laughs> I know. Um, so it's funny. So, yeah, I um, I live in Glasgow in Scotland um, and I have a little boy who's three called Davy, and I have a little other little boy who's just six months and he is called Jeff and um, we live here um, with my husband Martin um, and I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a community arts role um, in my neighbourhood and um, I'm also involved in an urban mission team, um, which is called Eden, which is fun. Um, That's a little bit about me. All right. So why don't we, why don't we rewind back to before you had Davy and tell us a little bit about your, your very first introduction to motherhood and, you know, even how you decided to get pregnant and what that process was like for you. Okay, so, uh, um, yeah, we had, like, a really good journey into parenthood, I think, and um, we kind of decided to have a baby and got pregnant, like, right away. Like, it was, Mm. um, and I feel like that is our, um, like, that has happened to us, um, and we feel really blessed about that. I don't, like, it's, uh it was, um, it was great. Mm-hmm. I suppose um so I suppose we've never really had any kind of stress around that um like conceiving but we, we did have quite a lot of people in our circle who had 
um, miscarriages, infant loss, mm. right before right before we got pregnant. So, um, uh, so I think the minute that line came up on the test, mm-hmm. automatically we were like stressed. I think maybe not stressed, but just that constant kind of underlying kind of anxiety a wee bit we just knew Mm -hmm. it wasn't set in stone until Mm -hmm. that baby was in our arms yeah um and it's kind of sad because I hear about my mum speaking about when she was pregnant with my brother her first and she was like we just told everybody when we got the test we just went you know they were it was Mm -hmm. such a beautiful naive but also just just so hopeful Mm -hmm. and innocent I suppose um I suppose that we didn't really have that um we kind of we were just yeah we were expectful um but we definitely were nervous yeah cautious maybe yeah I feel like Uh it's very normal now to kind of have a little bit more caution um I was thinking about this the other day with a friend who was saying you know I'm so and so weeks but I'm not out of the woods and I kind of had that moment, kind of like what you're describing, where I'm like, when did we start thinking this way? When did it start feeling this way? Um, And I don't know if for everyone it's because of personal loss or like you said, having people in your community who've had loss. But like you said, it's important to continue to be expectful and hopeful even when you're being maybe cautious. Yeah. 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 Uh Um, In a way, it was nice because you knew they had these people who were similar to you um, to speak about things with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which definitely helped. Um, so yeah, my pregnancy with my first um, son was great. Like I had a really good pregnancy with him. Um, and then the labour was actually quite a good labour. Mm. It wasn't too long. Um, for a first labour, I went. It, he actually was born on his due date. Oh, nice! Five um, percent, which was aha, <laughs> aha. I know. Um, and I think with a first baby, I also was like, it's going to take ages, and it's going. He's going to be late, and um, and then I remember waking up and thinking, oh, I was not sleeping well anyway. At the end of pregnancy, and then I woke up and I was like, oh, I wonder if this is labour. Mm. Um, and I remember I was in the living room because I found it comfortable, more comfortable to be on the sofa and I was like lying on the sofa and I'd mm-hmm. literally just put on an episode of David Attenborough's, um, I think it was Frozen Planet or Blue Planet or one of these mm-hmm. and literally the minute the episode started I had like a contraction mm-hmm. and then it was like every five minutes through that whole episode it was like bang 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 like it wasn't a slow progression yeah like progressing it was just like I was right I was right there um and uh uh-huh um so in that way it was great like I didn't have a sort of like am I am I not um it was kind of right into Mm -hmm. um so yeah and so how did you decide when you were going to go did yeah. you did you give birth in the hospital? Is that where? Yeah, uh-huh. So um, it's I suppose maybe um, it's the norm over here is um, NHS hospital 
um, birth, but we all have midlife, uh, midlife, <laughs> not midlife, midwives. We all have midwives. Um, so, mm. um, so really, even with your first baby, you are very like low risk. You just see a community midwife. Not even I feel that often um, throughout your pregnancy. Um, you've like set appointments that you go to at different points in your pregnancy um, and really mm -hmm. unless there's any major issues you'll just be on that pathway the whole way through um, and then you'll when you go into labour you usually phone your hospital um, you'll let them know um, they usually say oh stay at home as long as possible <laughs> And I, and I was like, oh, my first baby, I'm mm -hmm. going to just try and stay at home. I'm going to run that bath. Bath is like a recurrent theme, I feel like, in my life. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get that you podcast. You don't like baths, do you? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get that podcast. I'm going to get my bath going. I'm going to try and stay at home as long as possible. But because it was this really quick, right into it, labor, I only like, I think maybe I went into labor maybe like four in the morning, five and by nine, I was like, I think I want to go in. <laughs> and I phoned them mm. and, they, and they were like, oh, I mean, like, it's your first baby and it's only been a couple of hours. Like, but just come in and check. We'll just come in and check and we'll probably send you back home again, but it'll just give you peace of mind. Um, so we went in and I didn't even take my hospital bag because I was so just realistic about it. Um, I think I just mm. was like, oh, like this is maybe just how sore it is and how maybe we going to have like three days of this um <laughs> so I didn't take my hospital bag um or I did take my hospital bag but I didn't take the baby's bag because I thought oh the baby was probably still like days and days away um so I went in oh. and I got checked and they were like oh you're five centimeters you could stay and I never been like yay um but also like oh I don't have any stuff with me <laughs> um <laughs> um so yeah so then we kind of after that we went into our own room um and you have we just you just have the same midwife the whole way through it's quite nice um yeah, and I remember awesome. yeah I remember beforehand um thinking oh I really hope we get a nice midwife who's just a good fit for us not even so much for me but I just was very aware that for my husband he's going to be the one there um kind of the whole way through I'm probably not going to be in I'm going to be like too zoned out and like focused to actually really know about all the interpersonal stuff but I thought for him I was like oh I really hope we have a midwife who like he gels with or it's just like mm the right type of person for him like not too much or not too blasey you know like just the right fit and we did have a midwife who was um she just was the right fit for Martin and I was really um happy about that um and yeah so is it common to have doulas in Scotland um no not really unless so a couple of my friends have had home births and I think and they had doulas um mm. uh, probably just because so they do I think home birth is becoming a bit more um common now like now um yeah 
and they've got NHS teams who will actually come out and um, will do that. So it's not like you need a private, you know, it's not like you have to go down a private route. Um, hmm. But obviously they just pop in and out and maybe people have doulas just so they've got someone there the whole time. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the hospital, it's not really a huge thing yet, I would say. Um, yeah. It's more just if you're having an out-of-hospital birth, you also get another labor attendant. Yeah, uh-huh. I think probably that's the thinking behind it. Um, so yeah, uh-huh. it's not really... It's interesting. I'm wondering, I feel like there is a sea change now um, in kind of birthing yeah. culture. I wonder whether, I think, uh-huh, I think maybe even in five years or three years' time. Like, yeah, I think that change is happening everywhere. NHS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, the yeah, N- no, we, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, that's me. I was saying, I know we've talked a little bit on the show in the past that I happen to work at a facility in the United States that employs doulas at the hospital. Okay. So, um, and that's being trialed in various locations now, but it was one of the first pilot programs. So basically, if you were laboring with midwives at that hospital, you have a doula available to you 24 yeah. hours a day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. So I could see that definitely building in the future. And um, I know Lisa and I had spoke that um, in um, the United Kingdom, they're pushing from all women to see midwives mm-hmm. uh, for obstetric care. So yeah. I feel like the programs like that will grow. Yeah, um, uh, I feel like our med to be fair, our, our midwives, and I think, um, like, the structure actually is good, is um, here. So, uh, um, the fact that, like, you would get the same midwife the whole way through. Um, Makes a difference. It's already pretty, uh, it's yeah. already pretty good. Um, but I'm, int- I'm intrigued about the whole doula thing. Um, interesting. Yeah, I do think that with, you know, with a doula, which is, you know, many people would consider to be like extra care or unnecessary care. We obviously have our feelings about that, but it it does make sense that that would in many ways become more prevalent in areas where the standard or model of care is not as continuous and is not as supportive of the woman. So that that need becomes more aware or becomes more, um, obvious. And Mm so in a setting like you described where, I mean, how you described your birth and the care that you were receiving from your midwife, you know, not that, not that a doula wouldn't have been great, but you're describing feeling very cared for. And, you know, you had this continuity of care throughout your, throughout your birth experience. So it's, you know, it's wonderful that that exists and, you know, that the system in, in Scotland and in many places around the world, unlike the U S is very, very aware of that need for women yeah and I think over here like really you won't see um a doctor even in labor unless Mm -hmm. something's going wrong like the midwives deliver um Mm -hmm. your baby like it's it's really uh uh-huh they're really the midwives yeah it's all about the midwives like (laughs) they do it all um and I suppose I went in like just obviously as the shifts changed so like I went in first thing in the morning so she was just fresh in um and then my labor was quite it wasn't long but like long in um I suppose compared to others um so I, by late afternoon I think he was born I should really know this but I think he was born mm. about quarter to four or quarter to three 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she was still on shift, you know, like if she had gone off shift, someone else would maybe have, would have had to have come in if it had gone to like six o'clock. I think they work like six to six or, um, yeah. so I just, I probably just mm-hmm. timed it very well. <laughs> um, and, um, so she was, she was good. She was, um, she, you know, they're not like all in your space, checking you all the time, like almost in hindsight, um, I know some people love the idea of that, but I suppose because of how the pre- the labour ended, it did give me. It ended up. I I did, um, like obsessed, not obsessed, but I I was. That then gave its mm-hmm. own baggage, I suppose, of thinking, yeah, if, oh, she checked if, me yeah. more. If she checked me earlier, what if? What if? What if? Um, like she only I think checked me so I was checked when I went into like kind of triage and that's when they were like oh you're five centimeters you can go um into your own room and then I really can't remember being checked for a long time after that um most of the morning definitely and then I remember thinking I was struck I was just on um gas and air and I remember struggling and thinking oh I need something more and she was kind of gave me my different options. And I remember being like, well, can you check me so that yeah. I know how far along I am? Um, mm-hmm. Just to try and gauge like, oh, if I'm only like, you know, six, then I was like, oh, I'll take something. But if I'm nine, like, or eight or whatever, yeah. I'm going to just, you know, um, keep going. Um, and I can't remember exactly, but she obviously thought like no you've still got a wee while to go like this would be a good time if you wanted anything more um and I suppose I hadn't um I went into labour like quite realistic I'd watched I'm somebody who is um like I don't like to be underprepared or surprised by things so I had I had um I wasn't pessimistic um, I was like optimistic. I was thinking, no, I'm going to try and do it um, with minimal interventions. But at the same time, I was like, I know right. what options are available to me, the pros and cons of these options. Um, like I didn't really want to do an epidural. Um, so she was like, do you want to have some dimorphine? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> let's do that um and uh and that really the first dose I remember thinking this is still not cutting it and I think maybe an hour or two hours later she gave me another dose and like that really helped in it it didn't really take away the pain so much but it definitely made time it makes you go into a weird time warp of Mm -hmm. um it made time fly I remember looking at the clock and it was one o'clock and then the next time I looked at the clock it was like three I was like whoa like that went fast um I must have it just put me in a zone where I was just like concentrating and um Hmm. kind of dealing with labor um so yeah um and then she checked me I remember thinking I can't um yeah, I remember she checked me, but at the kind of nearing the end, and that's because I think I asked her to again, um, and um, 
Mm-hmm. That's when my waters broke when she was doing that last check. Um, and yeah, and I had really bad, um, like the labor was like all in my back. Like I remember being so surprised about that. Like even though I felt like I was quite book smart and I'd watched lots of um, One Born Every Minute, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that was gets addictive when you're pregnant (laughs) and when you like to just uh well like it depends on who you are but I just I got a wee bit addicted that um I just like the idea of not being shocked by stuff um so I remember um which was ironic because then in the end I was shocked by the one thing that they never really cover (laughs) about these things in these books um so I, she checked me and, ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the I felt like the labour was all in my back. Like, I couldn't, I was all up for, like, being mobile and walking about. And um, I ended up being, like, I couldn't even sit in the bath. Mm. That's how bad it was <laughs> because I couldn't sit down. Like, my bum was so sore. Yeah. Um, and I, even on the birthing ball, I was like, I can't sit on this. This is too sore. So I ended up even despite all my best interest, like all my best intentions, I ended up like laboring on my side, like lying on my side the whole time. Cause the minute I rolled onto my back, it was so sore. Um, so even for her to check me when I was at 10 centimeters and my waters broke, I remember being like, um, I remember being like, Oh wow, that's sore. Um, I want to get right back on my side. But when my waters broke, she, um, found meconium in the water. Um, and she wasn't they weren't that worried about it. They were like, oh, we'll just put a monitor on you um, and we'll just check the baby. Um, and I remember being like, um, can I push now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought I would have this, like, supernatural moment where I'd be like, oh, it's time to start pushing. Um, and I remember being like, when, like, when should I push? Like, can I push now if I wanted to? And she was like, yeah, like, if you want to start pushing, you're like, you can. Um, so then when the contractions came, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like push when I have them now. Um, so I think I maybe was only pushing for um, not long, like maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes or something, half an hour when the my baby's heartbeat started going a bit um slow um and I say a bit slow but it's so funny when you're in it and everyone's like so calm um she was like okay we need to get a um we need to get like a team in we need to get this baby out and I returned to my husband because I'd had the diamorphine just to check like how serious is this like I'm not fully present Mm -hmm. here like is this really bad or just bad or and I remember him being like so like calm and being like it's fine like if this was really serious we'd know it was really serious like um they're just doing the best that they need to do right now um and um so then they got a then a doctor actually came in this is the first time I'd seen a doctor and um she and they were like okay we're going to do a one-tooth delivery um and I also, in my head, was like, okay, that's okay. Like, um, I, I kind of knew what that entailed. 
um like I was glad it wasn't forceps <laughs> um I was gl- I was glad it wasn't a c-section so I was like okay okay um like we're still we're still okay um but then they were like oh you need to roll on your obviously you need to roll on your back for this and then it just all started to get like quite it was it was still calm but I remember it it, it did really feel like it was things started getting out of mm-hmm. my control um they were like oh you need to roll on your back mm-hmm. and I remember being like I don't want to roll on my back like it's too sore I don't want to roll on my back but obviously they can only do that um procedure like if you're on your back legs and stirrups sort of thing and I remember being like I really don't want to roll on my back and them kind of being like mm-hmm. you have to um so then I was still pushing um but they were like um uh, I was still pushing the sorest part I think was probably like the Vontus like I don't know this is like probably like going in like probably going auntie's head but actually like him coming out like mm-hmm. I did not feel like I was terrified about the whole like crowning <laughs> situation I was like that just sounds really really awful like um but actually he then and I think like he must have been pretty hard to get out um like my husband was like mm-hmm. said that it was like pretty sh- like amazing slash shocking <laughs> like he was like oh they were really yanking to get him out like that was pretty brutal so then I think it probably was a little bit of like a cork champagne Mm. cork situation (laughs) where um he must have just they must like I remember pushing so I probably had my eyes closed but I do remember them like she looked like she was having a real workout (laughs) getting him out like she was definitely Mm. like you'll know better than me but like she looked like she was telling like really having to it's definitely a joint effort I think anyone who's never seen um a baby using vacuum it's really a physical effort on both parts I think a lot of people think oh then they just pull the baby out Um, (laughs) but as you know that's not the case (laughs) yeah Um, it's still full maternal effort of pushing and then you have this other person whether it's the midwife or the doctor who is also applying constant pressure in that same timing so I think being a part of it is very intense I think watching it is very intense I've had so many conversations specifically with partners um afterwards where they were like is that normal it seemed like it was like you said like it seemed like it was like uh, we're trying to get a cork out of a bottle. It's just yeah. not happening and very aggressive. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good word, Melissa. And I think, you know, it's a difficult thing to watch. It really is to wa- a difficult thing to watch your baby have that um, kind of pressure put on their head and to kind of process that in the moment and then, you know, go ahead and join back in. Rebecca, it's like then what happens? The yeah. baby comes out. Uh-huh. And, so yeah. I didn't, I literally didn't feel him come out. Um, like all of a sudden he was out and like he was on me and I remember being and he was really he was really quiet like he was actually he was fine but I remember being like is he okay is he okay and I think that probably goes back to what I was saying earlier about that sort of anxiety um you know we, we'd had a couple of stillbirths in our circle um so I think literally what I said about us not feeling at ease until we had the baby in our arms um Mm -hmm. 
like was so true like even when he came out I remember him going on to me and I remember us being like you think you know your baby's going to come out and be like bawling crying um especially after a fontus when you feel like it's poor head is going to be like so, you know so <laughs> um, yeah uh-huh he was like so quiet he just was looking up mm-hmm. like oh hi um <laughs> and we were like is he okay is he okay um it's like he's and they were like yeah yeah he's fine um and then we were like yeah like breathe out like oh he's fine um and this is this is very funny like not funny but ironic I remember turning around to my husband like literally and being like that wasn't too bad I'll do that again (laughs) little did I know so at that point I was like oh he's out he's fine I didn't I was like that was relatively like the pain I was like oh that was not as bad as I was expecting um because I was so even though you had back labor which is so intense yeah because I thought like the actual exit shall we say was going Mm, to be like that's what you were dreading so actually that's what you were dreading for him to be like fired out I was like wow well that got rid of that whole fear of like pushing a head out you know I was like oh that was okay and yeah I remember turning around to my husband and being like oh I'll do that again that was all right um Mm. and then they were like okay um you've had a tear and um you need to go to surgery now I remember being like even then I was probably on cloud nine and being like okay I thought oh I'll be out for like half an hour come back and see you it was like 20 minutes maybe I'll be away um so I remember them being like not rushing us but seeing like mm-hmm. they obviously were waiting for the placenta and then once the placenta was out they were like okay now we need to go so I maybe only had I don't know like 10 15 minutes it didn't feel long and then they were like okay dad you got the baby now and I remember having to like pass the baby over and um and that was me being like wheeled out and I still was like oh this won't be long um but then I had to go into the operating suite ironically then had to have like a spinal done to have these stitches done after not having because a I, spinal in labor <laughs> I know I was like oh I never knew this could happen because like one born every minute or whatever program you have. I don't know if you've got one born every minute. Um, no, I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it only ever, all the stories end with the baby in the arms, like yeah. fresh out. Like it doesn't go anywhere into the Beyond them. that, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, okay, I had seen all these different scenarios up until the baby out in mom's arm and then I was like oh I don't know what this is now like I'm not prepared for this um I went into the operating theater I had like a spinal then I had these stitches and oh it was like such a weird experience um because you're not under general anesthetic so you're there mm-hmm. in an operating theater and um the same doctor who had done the Von Tooth delivery 
she was the one doing my stitches. So that was quite nice. Like I didn't have like another person um, um, like kind of like dealing with me. Um, but it still was like the anaesthetist and there just seemed to be a lot of people in that room. Um, and it was a Sunday and I remember some of them, like they were like, just lie back and have a rest. Like you deserve it. You've had, you know, you've done all your work now. But I remember lying there and thinking, well, this is the most degrading thing ever. Mm -hmm. Like I'm lying here with my legs in the air. Um, Someone's like really like intently looking and like stitching my bits up. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And there's like, and I was like, and there's just so many people milling about. Um, and it, it fell, and like, I was like, just had my eyes closed. I remember being like, just pretend this isn't happening. Um, like, they were like, oh, just try and go for a sleep. But you're totally buzzing because you've literally just delivered a baby. Like, right. It's actually 10 minutes before. Yeah, it's not possible to sleep in that moment. <laughs> yeah. And also, you're thinking, oh, this is taking longer than I thought. Um, I hope Martin's okay with the baby. Um, I wonder how, you know, is the baby okay? Like, um, and I remember having my eyes shut, just pretending that I was sleeping because I just wanted to um, kind of get over the awkwardness of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember them, maybe they, were, maybe they thought I was asleep, but I was like, you know, I wasn't. Um, and I, I'm sure I probably still like opened my eyes every now and then just to like look at the time and see how long was it was going. Um, but like I remember them just chatting about silly stuff, you know, um, like if they had been out or what they'd been watching on TV, and um, it was just very weird. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was just very weird. Uh, probably, I felt like it wasn't too long. But I think it was a good like two hours maybe that I was away. So um, I'm Laura. Maybe you have some more insight on this too. But I'm curious, like what what necessitated the you know the spinal and that level of you know like a surgical approach to uh, yeah to that situation. Rebecca, did they tell you what degree of laceration that you had? Okay, yeah, so I had a third degree tear and I had, you know how it's, I think it's one, two, three within that. So I had like a, it was second level third degree tear. Yeah, so, you know, fourth degree is when you tear all the way through into your rectum. Third degree means you have the rectal muscle involved. So um, I think that they probably did the approach because you hadn't had any anesthesia and to so... um, that kind of repair is really difficult with local anesthesia. You don't get a lot of good mm-hmm. relief. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that's probably why um, they did that as well as risk for infection is higher. So I could see them wanting to move you, you know, into yeah. a sterile environment um, for that. But it is very, I think, you know, what you're saying is so true is that a lot of times um, there's like different affects you have in different rooms, right? You go from this labor room where, you really are the powerhouse. You're the center. You're the one who's moving the labor along. You kind of have all the strength and the, the focus is on you and your efforts to really bring this baby forward, right? And the OR is a complete flip. Like yeah. the OR is where 
whether it's a physician or a midwife or anesthesiologist or whoever, the clinicians have all of the power. Yeah. You know, it's like you literally, like you, you described her laying on your back, semi numb, but not sedated, but not really, you're not talking with your provider like you are during labor. You're not interacting yeah. with the people in the room in the same. And I think it's a really good reminder to those of us who work in both have, you know, work in both roles that it's, you know, you are still in that, the height of that experience when yeah. you just had a baby and you are separated from your baby as well. So there's a reverence for that. And I just think that those can be really difficult kind of spheres to move in and out of for everyone involved. And like, yeah. and did they let your husband go with you or were you alone back there? Yeah. So I was alone. I think um, that's very difficult. So, and I, uh, like the NHS, I think you can have two birth partners. Um, Mm-hmm. But usually it's only one, and I don't know. Like if I had had another birth partner, with whether they would have been allowed to come with me in one state with the baby, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like I've not. Um, but then you you don't want to have two birth partners just in case, you know. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just you know sometimes you just want one. Um, but I did find that um, in hindsight. I think there needs to be some sort of change in that because mm-hmm. when you're having a C-section, it's a sterile environment and it's in an operating theatre and your baby is still either on you um, or your husband is holding your baby right next to you. Um, so I don't really understand. I suppose maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just changing the baby from too many environments. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it does seem a little bit harsh that the the dad and the baby can't come in yeah. and stand next to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say I'm sorry um, that that happened so, to you. And I'm sorry that, you know, what up until that point had been a pretty empowering experience suddenly had this really negative turn. And, and not at all suggesting that it wasn't necessary because obviously, you know, we weren't there and, and have nothing to do with that. But I think that, you know, it's it's okay to like, to, to grieve that and to realize even the rarity of that situation and, and just what you lost in that moment, you know? Yeah. And I think because it was my first um, pregnancy, my first labor, mm-hmm. like I had nothing to compare with. So I kept being like, I remember afterwards when I got home, um, the midwife's being like, Oh, you had such a hard time. Oh, that's like a lot of people kind of saying to me like, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, you're like, what a shame and, you know, things like this. Um, and I remember being like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. The baby's fine. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad um, because I had nothing to compare it with. Even, you know, like I thought that was the norm. But it was only when, so one of my friends, a couple of my friends had babies right at the same time. Um, and it was only when they were talking about their births mm-hmm. and also their recoveries. Which is weird, which is like a really big part of this story. Um, like when they were all like over it, you know, like they were moved on yeah. like within weeks, you know, mm-hmm. definitely within months. And I still, ha- I was like, oh, I'm not over this. Like this, um, like there is mm-hmm. so much baggage here, and that that can't be normal because I'm not finding anybody whose story is the same as mine. Um, like I. It's, it's nice to be part like you do automatically go into this kind of mm-hmm. sisterhood when you've had a baby 
but I wasn't finding anybody with the same story as me. Mm. And that, that felt really isolating. Um, and and at, at the beginning, I just was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine, the baby's fine. I don't know what the big deal is. But then it was like, oh, everyone else has recovered now. They're mm. like at the park, you know, with their other kids. And um, yeah. and I'm still in a lot of pain. Mm. Um, and and that's and that's really when it started to hit me um I, I also started feeling like I couldn't um like I, I was talking about it a lot mm. but not in a good way you know like mm. you know when you're like I am talking about this a lot mm. to people who don't even know me like strangers are been like oh they oh you've got a new baby how old is he um how was your labor? And then I would be like compelled to tell them, <laughs> you know, like I think you're almost like hyper processing, like, yeah, definitely tell everyone that this was actually really difficult. I've thought about this as an idea of in some ways, like you're saying you have these, you know, say it's you and two other moms and you've had babies in a, the same month and you almost want there to be a sign above right. your head that says, but mine was really difficult. And yeah. it was really different. You almost wish you could, say that in a way to everyone mm. so that they wouldn't approach you the same way yeah like not even like I was looking for sympathy but I just was looking I think in hindsight right for someone yeah. who was like oh yeah me too totally me too. and everyone was like oh wow <laughs> you know tumbleweed <laughs> and um and um, and then I was like I think I was probably kind of frantic um and it, it was so subtle. This is the thing. So um, the, the midwife follow through afterwards, like my postnatal care, they do like a questionnaire at six weeks and then they do the same questionnaire at 12 weeks, you know, and they compare your answers. And like, I did not have any of the like alarm bells mm -hmm. for postnatal depression. Like mm -hmm. all those boxes, I was ticking like, I'm feeling great. And, um, you know, like I, I wasn't, my mood was pretty this, like strong, like um, we'd really bonded well, like I was loving motherhood, um, I was breastfeeding and that was going well. And, um, and I suppose this is what I'm trying to really kind of work with now with um, healthcare professionals or um people that I come into contact with now I'm like there's just this gap mm -hmm. when it comes to post-traumatic stress um over here I feel like we've done a great job in um right. educating people about postnatal depression but yeah. post-traumatic stress is completely different and you don't you, you don't show the same the same signs for it so these questionnaires were coming back and my midwife and health visitors were like, oh, you're doing great. Mm. But I like, I knew I wasn't doing great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, but it was so subtle. Mm. And it was only afterwards one of my friends was like, I was actually really worried about you. Um, she was like, because you just, the way you were talking about it, mm. she was like, there was something not right. Mm. Um whenever I was talking about my birth story it was yeah and um 
and I think I got a little bit hooked on mm-hmm. birth stories and I still am I love them <laughs> but I think at the time it was like an unhealthy thing that I was googling and just trying to find somebody that had the same experience and work out what had gone wrong um like I say go like gone wrong kind of inverted commas like um yeah I started obsessing about all the different things that happened in the the labor and like what was the reason like I needed to have answers like what was the reason that made him go into distress like what was the reason that then made him need a Vontus delivery um and then even like in that Vontus delivery what happened that resulted in a tear because I was hearing lots of people who had Vontus deliveries who hadn't torn um or who had minor tears yeah at te- I was like hearing like a lot of people whose babies went into distress but still delivered like stabilized you know. yeah uh-huh, yeah um so yeah I think I was just I really kind of struggled with that it got a bit um yeah preoccupied definitely preoccupied with that um as well so mentally trying to get to like get over that and just trying to work that out um as well as like trying to get over the physical trauma which was only really which is only ever really apparent I think down the line when you're like oh I'm three months postnatal and I still don't feel great you know I'm six months postnatal and I still don't feel great Mm. um which is um which is difficult um and then mm. I think along the way that can all get jumbled up like the physical trauma and the mental trauma can all get entwined mm-hmm. um and then that's how that makes it even harder to unpick it becomes like a big yeah it's a big knot yep uh-huh yeah um, um I love what you shared just about the almost like the obsession and the need to know, because I feel like you were really trying to undo the knot. I think in your body, yeah. you were really trying to connect all the dots and make this linear story that you could feel okay about to say like, okay, all of these things happened for this reason. And now I can move mm-hmm. forward. But like you said, it's not like postpartum depression, postpartum uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is is about those things it's about kind of staying in that space trying to understand trying to chew over or the opposite yeah. trying to completely ignore this experience and fighting for a normal headspace in a way that's really yeah. difficult to do it's really difficult to do as you're also transitioning into caring for a newborn and also mm-hmm. trying to find your place in your story in your community which I feel like for so many women is exactly what you said. I just feel so alone. I feel like no one else has my story. And and so it's not like you said, it's not about attention or about a need for recognition. It's the opposite. It's a, it's a need for normality. You want someone else to have this story so that you're not abnormal. Yeah. And I think so many women relate to that um, and really have that struggle versus the other kinds of, you know, whatever might be more common that people think like, oh, I'm tired or, you know, I have the blue part and blues. It's like, this is something completely different. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah, I I definitely find things like um, if I saw people's birth, fo- not birth photos, but if I saw people's hospital photos go up on Facebook, you know, like 
that first photo of the family, um, like baby in the bed with the mum and the dad, like, um, or even just like photos of babies still in the hospital. Like I just would, I could feel like my chest tightening. Mm-hmm. Like I could just feel the anxiety. And I think that was probably like one of the triggers that made me think, oh, like this actually isn't just in your head. Like you're starting to have like physical reactions to this. Mm-hmm. Like I found it really hard to look at other people's, um, not baby photos and like photos when they were home, but just ho- like photos in that hospital sphere. Mm-hmm. It was like it was throwing me back. Um, well, it is. It's yeah. like Laura said, it's it's like being caught in a loop. And, and I totally relate to that. My first birth was very traumatic. And I will say that even now, all these years later, even though I've really healed and processed and had other birth experiences, when I still think about my three births, that's the one that I will get like caught in that same sort of like, well, what happened? And then, then this happened. And why did that lead to that? And just like really really kind of spiraling downwards into this very like un, it's an unsolvable problem it's an unsolvable equation and we're so determined to solve it mm-hmm. and it's it's very debilitating mm-hmm. yeah and I saw a great um I saw a great physio afterwards and she ended up becoming like more than a physio she was like um so she was like a pelvic floor, like women's health physio mm-hmm. at the hospital. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like she definitely became um, more than that. Like I def- like I cried in every appointment I saw mm-hmm. her. And, um, and like she was so supportive and um, like she definitely was more than a physio. Um, she was great. And... I did find a, a lot like some answers when I started seeing her like she did give me some really like she uh-huh, she definitely gave me some answers but not all of them mm-hmm. and they're and so just it, it still kept going on um I was in like a lot of physical pain and and that took a long time to and like even now I feel like I'm still working through mm-hmm. that and it, it and a lot of that then became because um it became so tied up with like emotion emotional and mental stuff that it all kind of became part of this one big picture um I was refer after physio like I'd done the allotted time at physio I was still in pain they couldn't find any reasons um why I went to a gynecologist the gynecologist actually I think this was about a year maybe even yeah it was about um a year postnatal, maybe a year and a half postnatal, I saw this physio, I mean this gynecologist. And I remember just being so upset in the appointment. And it was the first time that he really like broke down every part of the labour and was able to like, I just, by that point I was just a mess, I think. And he was able to take each little part that I was obsessing over and be like that's not true Mm. you know like what you have what you're believing about that decision like that's not true like that wouldn't have been that and and this part that you're obsessing about like that's not why x happened or why Mm. y's like why happened um and and he was so good 
actually I remember coming out of that appointment being in, in some way a lot lighter um because I just put like everything out there like all the stuff in my head I just was like right out there um and I did come away feeling a lot better from that um and then after that I then but then that's when he then spoke about me going on to counselling um and in a way it just like that was good but it just kept going um the counselling kept going um yeah so it just it just kept the story it just kept this like bracket of recovery mm-hmm. going and this was like two years like two years postnatal and I was still um uh-huh in and out of different appointments like it just felt mm-hmm. like constant um especially when you feel like you've had trauma and it's and it's triggering then you're having to then go and like go to the gynecologist and then go to a women's health physio it's like you're constantly having to re-enter that mm-hmm. state of you know being undressed legs and stirrups you know like examined um it kind of just perpetuates the problem mm-hmm. in a way um absolutely which was hard I think that that is such I love what you said that bracket of recovery because that is really really tough to feel like especially like you're saying you're making these huge strides with your physio you even felt good in that appointment and then they tell you I really think you should do this other thing and then you go and meet another stranger and have to retell your trauma yeah. And even if it's for a good purpose, like obviously going and seeing a therapist and doing talk therapy is for a purpose that you would hope then would help you in your healing, but it's re-traumatizing. Yeah. To kind of unpack it again and re-describe it and re-own it and re-digest yeah. it. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you've got these, especially when you've got a lot of friends who are in the same um, stage of life as you. And I mean, like, a good recovery from um, labour can, you know, like it's can be such a short yeah. window physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're like, well, I'm two years on and I'm still in this zone. Um, and I remember thinking like soon we're going to want to have a, another one. Um, and they kept saying to me like, um, you should try and hold like hold off until you have your other baby until you have your next baby until you've mm. got this sorted but like the more I like the more I saw people the more it started becoming like well this might especially when I started going to um when I started going to um like therapy I remember them being like well this has just been so if this is so knotted now and physical trauma and mental trauma that they're both so linked like physical pain mm-hmm. and emotional pain mental trauma that like this is going to take a long long time um and I remember thinking well like I don't want to put my life on hold if this is going to be something like it it starts feeling like this is something you're going to live with and like you'll never um you'll never get over this mm-hmm. um so I did have like a, I did have a breakthrough um maybe when I was about um when I was about two years postnatal I definitely did feel like some things were falling into place um emotionally 
um, I was feeling like a lot better physically I was still having like side effects of the tear and um and things um but I remember thinking like let's let's go for it let's try for our second um baby like everything's not 100% I think there's still a lot to work through but I can't like I can't mm-hmm. keep putting my life on hold really um so we um so we tried for our second baby and thankfully like we got pregnant really quickly again which was a total blessing especially like especially with all this now in the mix Mm -hmm. um I think if if we had been trying to conceive for a long time like I think that would have been even more baggage to deal with so I'm really I feel really blessed at that um I feel really blessed that that was the case the second time round as well because um, uh, I don't know how I would have I don't know what would have happened. Um, also, the throughout this time, like um, health professionals had said to me, like, "Oh, you can have a C-section with your next." And I remember at the beginning being like, "Oh, it's I'm going to try," especially when I was really fresh out of um, labour with my first. I remember, and it still hadn't really dawned on me. I didn't. I hadn't seen this huge journey of recovery in front of me. So I was like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'll maybe try for a, another natural delivery. But then two years in and I still wasn't 100%, I was like, there's no way I'm going to mm-hmm. damage what recovery I've made <laughs> by having another vaginal delivery. I was like, I'm I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to have a C-section. Like, I feel like I've managed to get away with... Um, my third degree tear um and I'm not going to risk doing um, anything more damage down there like it's just too much um and I think that was definitely really comforting like I, I joke that I don't know whether we would have had another mm-hmm. one if I hadn't had that option mm-hmm. um I think it would it would have been a really really big undertaking if I had to have had another natural birth um so I um so yeah so we got pregnant with our second um I was so sick this time around um so all those old wife's tales about um (laughs) boys or girls making you sick I have to do boys and the first one I wasn't sick at all and the second one I was so sick um I was really sick and um but everything else like it was pretty good um I had made quite a bit, like I had made quite a significant breakthrough just before we started trying for him. So I knew that like emotionally I felt in quite a good space um, going back into it. Um, And I was like, okay, I can do this. It's going to be okay. Um, But then I went to have training with work. Um, So I'm a community art worker and one of the groups that I work for, they had a spare space on a perinatal Mm -hmm. mental health training course and I was like so they were like oh you can come on with us and I was like oh great because I love all that stuff like I love birth stories and I love women's health and reproductive health and I was like oh that's really interesting I work with a lot of mums um and um and pregnant mums when I'm at work doing my kind of art um workshops so I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. So it was so funny. I was like, I was like the elephant in the room, like everyone there doing like mm-hmm. a perinatal mental health course. And 
I was like the only pregnant woman. Um, I was like, I'll be fine. Um, so it was really good. It was a really good training. Um, and it was good because they kind of spoke quite a lot about post-traumatic stress and trauma. And for the first time, like, it was just nice to see it given the same weight as PND because yes. quite often things are geared mm-hmm. more towards mm-hmm. that. Um, it was a great it was a really good course and the woman who was leading it at, at the kind of halfway through she was talking about preventative work that they do in her charity um, it's a charity called Bluebell which is part of a wider charity called Crossreach in Scotland um, and she was like you know we um, pregnant women can skip the waiting list like it's they have like quite a long waiting list she was like but pregnant women we really make an effort to see them really quickly and she was talking in the training about how preventative work is so good if people have um, Mm. experienced depression or trauma to try and like work through that before like while they're pregnant with subsequent pregnancies Mm -hmm. I remember thinking sitting there and thinking oh I think I need some of that (laughs) um like I felt in a good space, but I was like, you know what? I was so humbled by this point. Yeah. Like I was like, you know what? I'm taking everything and anything. <laughs> um, um, so I went up to her at the end and I said like a little bit about my story. And I said, do you think, um, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I said to her, um, like, do you think I should like look into this? And she was like, yeah, definitely. I'll give you a phone. Um, she phoned me like the next day or two days later and she was like right I've got someone available and you can meet her and by this point I was um, kind of in the third trimester and um, they usually see you every week but I was so busy like I had a huge project at work I had my three-year-old and I didn't feel like I needed that intensive work because I had already had a lot of talking therapy and um but I was like mm-hmm. I definitely think I need to find a space where I can just prepare um because actually life was so busy that I wasn't finding the time to really think and to be really present yeah. and plan too much for this mm-hmm. labor and yeah and I knew it was going to be a c-section and I was I was trying to research as much as I could into trying to make my c-section like as least like not triggering like how can I make it not as clinical like not like how can I work with these issues around control um but it was hard you know like it's hard to find stuff like that on internet actually um um like I loved your birth plan birth um yeah, <laughs> not, what um, was you call you didn't call oh, it birth what planning did we call it? birth um oh, oh no, what was it again it was the birth preferences oh. yeah no. oh. preferences yes uh-huh so like I listened to that and I was like right okay I wrote some stuff down um and um yeah and so it was quite nice I met with somebody like every fortnight for the rest of my pregnancy for like 
the last two months, I think, of my pregnancy. And it was just really nice to have somebody to kind of go back through what happened the first time, how can things be different the second time, and just help me kind of like frame different issues. Um, hmm. It was really good. Did you find that? Did you find that your care provider team that was going to be, um, you know, at the birth that they were open to to your experience and to really kind of helping make this this C section something that would be not triggering for you? Were there were there things that you were discussing with them around that? Um, I think so. The NHS is great in regards to like their midwife like their midwifery care like especially if you're having like a um like like a like a natural birth Mm -hmm. um but actually when it comes to c-sections I feel like it's a little bit like oh well like they kind of don't get it yet quite Mm -hmm. um you know they're like oh well you're having a c-section so that's it that is your birth kind kind of like how we talked it just completely flips like like oh now you're having yeah we're in charge yeah like they're just in charge uh uh-huh. like I feel like they're quite receptive about things like if you wanted to have a pool or if you wanted to have a birthing ball and all that sort of thing if you're having a natural birth and then literally um yeah um uh-huh. then literally if you're having a c-section it's a little bit um like uh-huh. I'm not quite sure of the words but yeah yeah we get I'm it. To, uh, <laughs> it's the, not, same, it's not, the same everywhere. <laughs> not like flippant, but like there's just no, um, there just seems to be no, it's, it's not even intentional, I think. Like I think there just seems to be like, um, uh-huh. like why would you want to have... Skin to skin, why would you want... To yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like they do have that. That's one thing they have. They say like, oh, you can still have skin to skin. Um, which is which is good, but um, they're just not overly excited about your C-section birth plan, or yeah. <laughs> or talking or like talking to you so much. Like you go in for your your pre-op, and it's like just the mechanics, you know. Like you're okay. This is what's going to happen, and your blood pressure's good, and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Um, like I I had. Like I had, um, I think because I was going to see um, um, this, um, because I was going to counselling with Bluebell, I think the, that it had, it kind of empowered me. I think that's probably like the main benefit that came out of um, meeting with this woman every fortnight is um, she just was like such a good cheerleader of being like, mm. um, no, that like that did sound like awful and that didn't sound like that was appropriate um and I do think you're entitled to say you want xyz but then also she was also good at being like but you also have to hold that lightly you know because Mm -hmm. um things change and you also have to be open to that um but yeah I think she was she was like no like make sure in your next appointment like you do say like this is what you would like. And mm-hmm. um, so can I ask you, what, yeah. what felt different about your experience with this Bluebell 
counselor compared to, you know, all the work that you were doing leading up to that two year postnatal period that you described you were seeing you know, physio and, and a gynecologist and that counselor. And I know that you described that sort of feeling like it was just kind of constantly reopening the wound. And, and then you're describing this experience with, you know, doing this, this course that really highlighted post-traumatic stress and then kind of going back into this experience. Um, I'm just curious what felt different about that. Was it just timing or was it truly that the actual approach was, was just that much different? Um, I think, I think timing, Mm -hmm. um, like I think I had worked through all the really meaty, difficult knots, um, with all these other people. Um, so like I'd broken the back of it Mm. with, um, with all like, so even the, even the, um, therapist that I saw before this period, um, she was a psychosexual counsellor and like, and she she was an ex gynecologist, or she was an ex. Um, she used to work in that sort of sphere. So, um, so that was quite medical. Mm-hmm. Even even though it was like a talking therapy, it was still she still really got how the physical and the mental was all locked in together. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we, so like she was really great to speak to. Um, because she did have the like she was hold like she was the one person actually in this whole journey who um who had both things intention like she was a counselor um, and had this women's health experience but then she had uh uh-huh, so she could also do physical she also could examine me mm-hmm. you know so it was like you know like she would examine like she would ch- talk to me um, I would say all this stuff, but then she would also be like, "Okay, let's check you physically, and then let's chat again." Mm-hmm. Um, so she was great because it was like a little bit of both worlds, yeah. which is what I needed because the whole problem by that point was like physical and mental all jumbled in together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think maybe we'd broken the back of the problem with all these other people. Mm-hmm. We'd ruled out all these things, like we'd ruled out prolapses, and we'd ruled ruled out, you know, like. We'd done all that stuff. Um, and then when I went to Bluebell, it was nice because it was just it was just a positive time to prepare for this baby. Like it was less about um it was less about all the trauma and all my physical problems and me. Um and I suppose mm. because it was right at the end of pregnancy, like it was more it just felt yeah, more hopeful. Yeah. Uh yeah Um, um, and it was just a really nice space to like get excited about this baby and excited about this labor as well um and even though it was a c-section like this this birthing um, experience delivery Mm -hmm. yeah Uh that's what I'm trying yeah um and like also like Thursday night podcast Mm -hmm. time listening to mother birth (laughs) like that was also like (laughs) that was also like a time to be like I'm positively engaging with birth again like for two years it's been like negative 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 but now like I'm I'm like trying to get into the zone of kind of of finding like a positive fresh journey with this baby and it's different Mm. um so tell us about your c-section how did that go okay 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so um, my main concern about the C-section was, um, so you have to go in at like seven o'clock in the morning. And I know like if there's emergency C-sections, you can like get bumped mm -hmm. down the list. Um, and of course you have to fast from the night before. And I remember thinking, um, one of my friends had just had an um, elective C-section a couple of months before me and she kept getting further and further down the list because all these emergencies mm. were coming in and she was so hungry. <laughs> um, and that, is like, that was like my main concern. I was like, oh, I just really hope I get taken um, like quite early and there's just there's no like emergencies coming in and like stopping yeah. my flow because <laughs> I felt in like such a positive place. And... Um, and I felt like I don't know how long I can hold on to this, mm -hmm. you know, like I've been really worked, like it's been like three years in the making and um, I'm in a good space, but like being back in this medical environment, um, like I don't know how, how many yeah. <laughs> like curveball, yeah, how many curveballs I'll really be able to handle here. Um, and it was, it was so nice because they come in and they speak to you all at the beginning and then they kind of, I suppose, rate you in order of like um of like who they're going to see in the day and I remember thinking like I don't really have any medical reasons for this mm -hmm. like you know like I've not got high blood pressure or you know like um there's not like a, like an urgent medical reason for the c-section I was like oh I'm going to be last on the list um but actually like I ended up being like um mm. third on the list and then um and then the first person ended up getting taken early. So it ended up almost being like I was second on the list. I remember being like, wow. Um, it was so funny because I remember we were like sitting behind all our wee curtained booths. Um, I remember me and my husband like whispering, like trying to rate <laughs> all the different mums in the ward. Like she's going to be, she's definitely going to be first. And I could hear someone speaking to the nurse saying that, um, she actually, for some reason, wanted to be last. Like she'd, I think she was maybe feeling like she was in early labor, Went here. and was like, and was like, I'd rather do this. I'd rather do this naturally if I can. So, like, can you just leave me to the end, and we'll just see what happens today? Um, so I remember thinking, like, score. She's already going to she's like. She's already like further up the list, and <laughs> she's not competition. Um, I just. I, um, we had like such a nice group of people around us and I think that's like make or break for these things like we just I felt like they really were invested in us like they really listened to the story like I'd written a birth <laughs> preferences um, but actually but actually it was mostly like this is all that happened in my first experience of labour and this is how it's made me feel now and this is like what I think would be yeah. good, like for to counteract that. So like I literally I didn't really have any like logistical preferences. Like I didn't say like, oh, I want fairy lights or I want certain music in. I just was like, I just want to be listened. I just want to feel like you're respecting me. <laughs> um like by um by like just really reading my birth plan and reading our story so that you're sensitive to us like I said like I really struggled afterwards with the fact that like I never had like skin to skin for like two minutes like well not two minutes but like 10 minutes and then um and then um and then 
I was whisked away for like two hours. Like it's really important for me that yeah. we can stay together as a family as much as possible. Um, so I think I had wrote, I'd written that. Um, I'd written like, um, like I just really want to be like spoken through about everything. Like even if it's boring and it seems medical and like most people wouldn't want to hear about it, I would really like to hear about it just because last time it was... I had all these unanswered questions um mm-hmm. and actually I've- well what's what's so great about that is that we are describing exactly what our whole idea around the, the birth preferences versus you know the rigid birth plan it really it just comes down to like how do you want to feel and how people want to feel is they want to feel supported they want to feel empowered they want to feel informed and if you feel those things the details don't matter that much you know yeah. So you like you really got that, yeah. Uh huh. Um, like I, uh huh. Definitely, it was not like a prescription. That birth preferences mm-hmm. was just it was it was all emotional words. Like it was all like yeah, totally. Like I want to feel cared for. I want to feel like you've got my best interests and like you're. I just wanted to feel like yeah, um, mothered almost. You know, like I just wanted to feel like. They'd read my story. They really empathised with me, and they just like had my back, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so nice because everybody who came in to speak to me, the way they were speaking to me, I was like, "You've totally read my first birth story. <laughs> like, you're being mm-hmm. really nice to me right now, and you're being really respectful that this is like a big deal for me to be back here in like an operating environment, um, like." They, they all knew that the first time hadn't gone um, ideally and that I missed out on a lot of stuff and they were really working hard to like give me that stuff this time round. Um, yeah. Which was just so nice. Like I just felt the whole time that we were just being really loved and um, uh-huh. it was really good. Um, even just the, the, the yeah. like there wasn't like people just chatting, mindless chatter in this in the c-section um like sweets like they were all just being really mindful even about like what they were talking about and yeah even just uh, it was great Mm. um and I just I think because I was so hyperly sensitive about control and lack of control because I felt like a lot of the trauma the first time around had come from that um Mm -hmm. I was like I was being really like, I don't want to give anybody unnecessary control here because I don't want that to come back and bite me. Um, but yeah. this, and and I think they were all respectful of that um, in respect that they were like running things past me and even like um, like just double checking everything with me, you know. And that just felt really nice. Um, mm-hmm. it felt really nice. Um, and. Um, and I, and I was worried about it being feeling really medical and not like because I'd missed out on all that those really nice first couple of hours um I was worried that that was going to happen again this time but actually it just felt so natural like it just felt really calm and relaxing um um uh-huh it was so good and mm even when he came out so when like it's so quick like I never realized how quick it was um it's much much quicker (laughs) like literally they were like 
looking at the clock like Martin so it was so nice like they'd really made a priority of keeping Martin with me like as much as possible unlike the first time like he was there right there like the whole time he had to leave for like maybe like a 20 minute part of it when they were like doing the um and like the spinal tap and all the anesthesia stuff um mm. but then I remember them like almost looking at their watches like where's the dad like we are ready to go <laughs> um and then the minute he sat down next to me it was like the baby was like woof like the baby came out and I remember being really worried about like a quick delivery again because the first time was so quick and I hadn't really like all of a sudden I had a baby in my arms that you know that um, I hadn't had like that um smooth kind of like slower transition right yeah but actually um it, it still just felt it felt so much more engaging actually than the first time with the Vontus it just seemed like they were doing all the work and it was and all of a sudden a baby was on me but actually being there in the c-section like I could just actually all I could concentrate on was like meeting my baby and and like awaiting Mm. meeting my baby um like just it was actually so nice um and I remember when he came out and like I'd asked for them to like keep the like not put up a screen like keep it down so that I could just try and get all those first moments like I just wanted all the moments like I didn't want anything taken away from me um and like they took him out and I could like see him there and and then like really quickly they put him like straight on me um and I suppose the first time round we had all those like because we um our first had been in distress we were really anxious when he we got him and we're like is he okay is he okay but like um Jeff was bawling like he was okay he was crying and he was like (laughs) he was healthy and he was great and um and he came out just like so like everything I needed to redeem that first um labor like he came out in such like a in such a lovely environment like just like good music was on everybody was being so nice we had a really like a lovely empowering day up until that point like everything we just were in such a good mood like everything was really going for us Mm. and then he came out he was like put on me and um he was bawling and like the minute they put him on me he stopped crying um and I was like oh like I'm here for you and you know I'm your mum like no matter how you've been delivered like you are like I have like I am the one that has stopped you crying like Mm -hmm. the doctor's hat like the doctor's hands like delivering you like they did not stop you like it was only when you hit me Mm -hmm. that you like found uh, like he calmed down so even in that you just feel like so like it's such a beautiful moment Mm -hmm. and um and then I remember like he the doctors were like saying oh congratulations and and before I knew it like his face was like in my face like he was like kissing me and I remember thinking has someone just moved my baby like how on earth is he up here it was and I was like did you just pick him up and put him in my face and my husband was like no no one's touched him and it was like literally like and this is so cheesy but I was like it was literally like an angel (laughs) had like lifted him and like 
put his face up against mine Mm. like he was like all in my face like kissing me and his wee hands were like all in my hair oh my gosh Um, and it was just like this really like almost like supernatural like moment Mm. um like it was just so beautiful and it just made me think you know what like I like c-sections can have a bad rep of being like clinical and you miss out on a journey and um you know the bonding is you know you're having to do all this stuff around people and in an environment that's really foreign but like he just blasted like all of those like (laughs) things out the out the way like it was just a really beautiful greeting. Well, and, and Rebecca, what's so beautiful yeah. about this is that you are the one that cultivated that space. Like I'm, I'm really emotional hearing this because I, I feel like, you know, yes, you had care providers that, that showed up and, and were willing to help create that space for you, but you are the one that made that space and you're the one that cultivated within yourself that openness and that joy that was able that that made that experience be able to be what it is and I can't wait for people to hear this story and to be able to um experience and and hear that this kind of this kind of experience is possible in a c-section because it is what you what you just described is so true like there are so many ways that c-sections are you know, can, can be really, they can be very traumatic experiences for women. And, and this is, this is not, you know, your story does not take that away from other women in any way, but for someone listening to this, who has a C-section that is coming up, whether it is elective or otherwise, like there's so much beauty in what you've shared and so much, it's so important to realize that you are the one that created that space. You are the one that went into that space and made it happen in that way. So Rebecca, I would love to hear you go into a little more detail about what felt so different about this experience. You're having this, you know, this surgical birth that can be a traumatic experience in and of itself. And yet you're finding this to be a completely different experience than your first birth, which was, you know, caused so much extended trauma for you. So what was really different about this experience? Um, I think um, a big part of it was not so much the um, the kind of nitty gritty ins and outs of the the C section because on paper it was um, it was quite traditional really like I mm-hmm. I didn't really have um, you know like it wasn't that groundbreaking in terms of C section delivery it was still quite traditional um, mm. it was more I suppose my my it was probably more about aftercare and just how I felt coming out of it um I think the narrative from my first birth had just been so clouded in failure which mm. is ironic because that was my you know you know inverted commas my natural delivery um my right. vaginal birth and that actually had like when looking back on it the the pregnancy even that had become tainted I afterwards like I really doubted all my pregnancy decisions I thought you know Maybe I should have, um, you know, maybe I should have pushed and asked more questions to make sure I'd been like viable for a um, vaginal birth. I'm a very petite person. Like I wear like mm. age, like 11 to 12 jeans. Like I'm tiny. 
And, <laughs> and all along the course of that pregnancy, I remember like the older generation, like my mom and my gran saying like, you know, are you sure? Like, if you ask them, are you sure you're going to be able to do this? And I just was so like confident in like my care providers that I was like, yeah, I'm sure they would have said if they were worried, like they've not said anything. Um, but then in hindsight, like that really played over in my mind, like, oh, I should have asked more questions. Like maybe I was being really naive. And, um, mm. and, then, and, my, and then I also doubted all my decision-making in labor, like afterwards, like the trauma just was totally messing um, with all that whole journey. Like it made me think like, oh, if I'd done this differently in labor and if I'd done that differently. Right. Um, I, and then it, like it just, it left it with this whole story of failure. Then I, you know, like a delivery, I had an assisted delivery. That obviously didn't help. Um, that made me feel like a failure. I felt like I'd failed. My body had failed when I tore. Mm. Like that was another thing. Um, and then even in the recovery, I feel like that's actually where the whole kind of theme of failure kind of got really embedded. Um, yeah. Like I had to go, and I maybe didn't make this clear earlier, but like it sounded like I had like a lot of treatment and it was already like involved and great. But actually a lot of that was just from me like having to go back to square one, like pushing to go and see somebody else. Me having mm. to see them. And that was like so exhausting. And and even getting no clear answers and no diagnosis, that just kind of heaped on all this um, feeling of like, being like abnormal I suppose like right. um there was no clear-cut answer for why I was feeling any pain um and then eventually when I did go to counselling and um and they kind of flagged up that actually by that point the pain was not physical and that a huge amount of it was um this knot of physical and mental trauma um that didn't even like give me any peace like that just made me feel like more broken <laughs> I was mm. like okay so I was physically broken and now actually the stress and the like investigations of trying to get well have actually now made me more broken um mm. like I just you know like it really like um like I I had bonded really well with my little boy like we had a great relationship and me and my husband were doing really well as parents but like it was a huge elephant in the room for like two years um and like my husband was great at supporting me through all this but it was obviously like it was really hard um mm -hmm. and I suppose so that was that was kind of the whole summing up of my first journey into motherhood and that whole birth experience so I think when I went into the c-section um although I had been I was really reluctant to make a like a birth preferences um because I was just so worried about setting myself up for more failure like I literally did not write my birth preferences my birth plan until the night before mm -hmm. because I think like it, it had such weight loaded onto it because I thought the minute I write anything in black and white I'm setting myself up to fail again Mm -hmm. um I was like oh I just I'm so scared of being failed by these people who are supposed to look after me yeah after for two years feeling like nobody had been looking after me it was all me having to look after me 
um, hmm. I was like, I'm too scared to relinquish that again into people to let me down again. Um, but actually, um, even though I say that, on the day, like, I just felt like everybody was being so sensitive to me. Like, they really, really cared for me. Um, and it, it affirmed, like, all my decision-making. Like, rather than doubting my decision to have a C-section, like, I've always felt, like, totally empowered by that. Like, um, I just felt like it was the right decision. Um, there was no tinge of, like, doubt or anything around that. Um, hmm. and, and then that's I, so powerful yeah like it's rare it's rare because I speak to some friends who have had c-sections and there's always that sort of like mm, maybe you know did I do the right thing and I can like 100% say like I feel I felt and I still feel like my c-section was like the best decision that I made yeah. Well, whether you have a C-section or any other, any other kind of birth planned or otherwise, there's, it's just so incredibly common to have, like you said, what you're describing about your first birth, this, this really, really haunting sense of like, oh, well, what if that, and what if that, and what if I had done that? And maybe this would be different. And what if, you know, what if it was because of this? And I think we all face that no matter how our births play out. In fact, even when birth goes, you know, swimmingly, quote unquote, it's, it's still something that, I mean, it's, it's one of the most significant events that a woman can experience. And it's, we just, we tend to replay it again and again and again and again in our minds. And so I think that, you know, for you to have that kind of clarity and that kind of calm about that decision is, is so powerful. And it says so much about, that really being the right decision for you. And I want to know a little bit about what your recovery was like, because obviously one of the, you know, one of the reasons that C-sections can be challenging is because it is a challenging recovery. And I know that in comparison to spending two years with, you know, PTSD and physical symptoms and a lot of challenges that you faced at the first birth, that, you know, a a C-section recovery may not have seemed like a very big deal, but I'd love to hear how your recovery went. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it's funny because I think people around me who didn't know the backstory of maybe how hard the recovery had been for my first, they were like, oh, you know, like this is a big operation and are you worried about the recovery? And um, I kind of, in the back of my mind, or like I, I didn't always let on, but I just thought like, oh, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> like this is going to mm-hmm. be this is going to be okay, like, for me. Um, and obviously, I, I do, like, obviously need to acknowledge that it could have been different. Like, like, this could have been a different story. But because I did have a complication-free recovery from my C-section, um, it just, like, it um, like it just did feel so much better. And um, I used to joke to people, they kept, you know, everyone handles you kind of with kid gloves after you've had a C-section. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, I am feeling so much better at this stage after a C-section than I did after my first birth, you know? Yeah. like, And I think that kind of shocks people. Like, um, I think there's a sort of fear culture around C-sections. And obviously there's a lot of reason for that. Like some people do have um, hard recoveries, but... Um, I just was like I'm feeling amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, I really did like I um, I think a lot of that was that like my recovery was normal you know like you expect to be in pain after a c-section 
and you expect to um, have some element of like not being this mobile. Yeah, some limitations on your ability. And and you kind of feel like <clears throat> that, um, and that is expected. So you kind of feel welcomed into this kind of community of like C-section moms who can all be like, oh yeah, like I did this and it helped like get things done and I did this which helped with the healing and I I totally missed that in the first time round because my recovery was so unconventional from my first birth Mm -hmm. like and I'd said earlier like I didn't feel like part of any community like I had no birth stories that were like mine um and that just heaped on like a lot of weight on me that I felt like this odd one out and um whereas my c-section I felt um you felt I normal. Could, yeah, I felt normal. Weird, yeah, like weirdly I could be like, oh, yeah, like da da da. Um, it's actually, it felt really like healing, weirdly. Yeah. Um, it felt like really like healing to go through a process that everyone else who, you know, like a, a lot of people in my life had gone through and it was similar, um, which was just really nice. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, there's there's so there's so much beauty in the story that you're telling because I think that you know, like you said, there can be a lot of fear culture around around C-sections and around you know, this experience that could be could be compared to, you know, ha- being out of control or having, you know, the maximum amount of intervention or, you know, however else that might be described. And I think that you're describing something that was not only empowering, but healing to you. And that's really, really, really powerful. And that really required your intuition to to get you to a point where you could make that decision and make it without, without questioning yourself. Um, and I hope that anyone that listens to this, whether, you know, they have, whether they're planning a C-section or whether, you know, they may have need to have an, a non-elective C-section coming up, that this can, can really encourage you that, that a C-section can be a very, very empowering and positive experience. And, and I think that, Rebecca's story also shows that so much of it has to do with your your mental state and how you're coming into the experience and how you've prepared for it and not so much in the like like Rebecca was saying in the you know this is how I want my C-section to go kind of way but more in the you know emotional preparation for for what this journey means and what it what it may look like and I think that that's so so important. So Rebecca as we're wrapping up is there anything that you would want to share with our listeners who may have a similar experience as yours whether that's with experiencing PS PTSD from a traumatic birth or the potential of facing a C-section. Um, is there anything that you would share? Um, I just would like to, um, like, I just would like, well, I hope that um, if you're in the same situation that I was and still am, to be honest, like recovering from a tear um, and recovering from like the emotional trauma from that, it's just that you like that you don't feel alone um Mm. like I feel like there's a a huge community out there for different kind of tribes of birthing um and there maybe isn't one actually for for tearing and um the aftermath of that um but just to try and 
let yourself be open to talk about it with people and um, try and find someone like we obviously I went I had a couple of different counsellors throughout this period and it was really great um, but also just opening up to friends um, sometimes you realise people don't actually have it all together mm-hmm. um, and sometimes um, yeah you have to kind of just let yourself be vulnerable a little bit yeah. um, get that help um, but just that I totally empathise with what it's like afterwards um, and um, like it is hard um, but there is help out there yeah. um, and sometimes you just have to do the hard work to get it um, which feels unfair at the time but um, but it's ultimately worth it. worth it yeah it's ultimately worth yeah. it yeah, and I think that, you know, it's it's not that we go looking for trauma where there isn't trauma, but I think that when we're really open and vulnerable about our stories, and that's so much of what this podcast is about, that we are able to find people that can support us, sometimes even in surprising ways. And, you know, while there may not be like a you know, a really obvious community for women who've experienced trauma from, you know, from assisted births or from experiencing, you know, severe tearing. Um, there are, at, at the same time, there are so many women who have experienced those things and, and just aren't talking about it. So, you know, being, being the ones that choose to open up about it is, is one of the most important first steps in allowing that community to create itself. So thank you for being part of that, that process, Rebecca, in telling your story and just being so open about how incredibly challenging it was for you when on the surface, a lot of people would say like, okay, you know, what's going on? Um, that's, it's really important that you're, that you're doing that. So thank you so much for, for sharing your story and, and being so open about it, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. It's been great. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.